she's blonde, five foot two, and 102 pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea Kay. Welcome to tonight's Andrea K. Show. It is Monday. Oh, my. Yes, it is. In fact, for a second there before the show, my man here asked me, uh, so did you have a good weekend? And I thought, what did I do over the weekend? <laughs> um, I actually had a pretty good weekend now that I recall what happened. No jokes, please. I was sober the entire time, but it just went by in a flash. And you know what? That's okay, because I love Mondays, because I get to come in here and talk about all the breaking news and the hot news that's happening, that happened over the weekend, that happened today. And we've got so much to get into, my babies. we got to talk about the... <sighs> The Olympics that were supposed to happen last year are coming up on us, and it is not without, um, well, we, we you all heard about the Gwen Berry story, but I'm not sure if my man here did. So we're going to give you my take on that. Oh, so speaking of interesting takes, Michael Knowles, many of you know who he is, a very prominent conservative voice at the Daily Caller, has a new book out, and he has a really interesting take on free speech and whether or not the free speech absolutist, as he calls them, have actually enabled the cancer culture, the cancel culture, not cancer culture, although cancel culture is quite the cancer and toxic, a little play in words there, but he's got a really interesting take on that and he's got a book out called Speechless. So Michael Knowles will be here after the first break. So you definitely want to stay tuned to hear what he's got to say about this because uh, it's what how we deal with messaging right now, as particularly as a part of the cancel culture, really we've got to figure out. It's not just enough to complain about it. We've actually got to take steps to try to solve the problem and he's got an interesting take and suggestions to go along with it. The bottom half of the hour we got my friend Larry Clayman from Freedom Watch will be here. I reached out to him after I heard the I'm, I'm going to get my man's going to have to have his finger over uh, more. I am more angry at Bill Barr today than I am at this disgrace of something calling itself an athlete, an athlete activist today. So I, I reached out to Larry Clayman, founder of Judicial Watch and founder of Freedom Watch, an attorney, brave attorney who's uh, fought for our rights here in this country to talk about Bill Barr's outrageous comments that he made to Jonathan Carl, of all people, about Trump and about the elections in November of 2020. So we've got that and more to get into. Uh, going no further, got to bring in my brother. It's DJ Potato Skins. We have a gentleman. I have my veto pen drawn and ready, and I have only one thing to say. Go ahead. DJ Potato Skins. Be very interested to hear about this take on free speech, but in my mind, Andrea, just to put it out there, free speech is free speech, and there are no caveats involved with that. Well, I'm, I'm interesting for everybody to hear Michael Knowles' take on this because, uh, you know, yeah, I, I think it is interesting, and I think it's worthy of discussion, and, not, and when we hear an interesting take on it, particularly from a conservative i don't sure. think we should just automatically dismiss it but i do think it's i do think it's going to prompt discussion on some part of, uh, of people because i'm not really sure how you can be too much of an absolutist when it comes to freedom i don't know how you can it's either freedom or it's not yeah um so anyway you stay tuned for that uh speaking of freedoms a lot of people talking today about this gwen berry this 
uh, we've got the the uh, Olympic trials going on, which I had forgotten about. I had forgotten because I I really had the past few years. Um, I just have been busy, and you know, anyway, it only comes around every few years. By the way, they they changed it to two years. I don't know. We've kind of lost the Olympic fervor as a nation. I think that's one of the fallouts that has happened with the anti-American culture going on. But nevertheless, we were supposed to have the Summer Olympic Games in 2020. That didn't happen because of coronavirus. I actually had forgotten all about it until I started watching the U.S. Olympic gym trials this weekend, uh, by the way, and to see the heart of these young women fighting so hard for the honor to represent the United States, particularly somebody like um, the GOAT, the greatest of all time uh, gymnast, Simone Biles, who actually had a horrendous night yesterday, and to see her sob, this is a woman who's already won more medals than anybody, and to see her crying after she fell off the beam, because this just meant so much to her to go back to the Olympics to represent the United States, and then to see some uh, athlete turn her back to the podium. And by the way, this was not like the the numero uno of the pack, by the way. We're talking about bronze. You know, how fitting that this Gwen Berry, who's some track and field um, javel thrower or whatever it is, you know, this individual does. I mean, you know, um, bron- supposed to be on the third step bronze doing some event that nobody ever, I mean, do you ever, who watches javel throwing? I mean, unless it's a part of the decathlon, who's interested in that, okay? I mean, for you to turn your back as though you are so important, more important than the United States of America. America makes you, it was the most monumentally narcissistic, egomaniacal crap I think I've seen in a long time. This is the reason why this is getting more outrage. This is even worse than Colin Kaepernick. Okay, because that involves a somewhat, at least, private enterprise, the NFL, private ownership of these teams. Still divisive, still pulling crap around the American flag that our military heroes fought and died for. But this is particularly an argument could be made there about whether or not the NFL teams, what they should do. These are employees. What, you know, versus this is these are supposed athletes that the entire point of busting their heinies, working hard. Is to represent the United States of America at the Olympics. So not only did this person turn her back, did you see this? I didn't see it, but I will say this just this real quickly, Andrea. I don't care what nation it's for. If you're going there because you obviously want to represent your nation, you don't shun your nation like that. That is the worst form possible. Right. In fact, I've had a problem for years when I find out that so-and-so representing France really grew up in Nigeria, but Nigeria didn't have this particular sport that they were interested in. So they decided to go and represent another country. I'm but like, you're still why? representing that country. But you're still representing that country. So I, what this person did was turn its back at the, at the playing of the national anthem, then held up some black jersey, a, a, you know, athletic a- activist or whatever. You're there. I don't even, I haven't even heard of this organization, Athletes for Activism or Athletic Activist or whatever it is, but that's not who you were there to represent. Then this individual, when people started getting upset about it, claimed victimhood. Well, I asked when they were going to play the anthem, like how dare they play it in a time in which I'm supposed to be standing at the podium. Isn't this the perfect representation of the Black Lives Matter movement? Such a narcissistic sense of entitlement that everything has to revolve around them and their feelings and their emotions because their skin color happens to be a different color than somebody else in the room, right? There's no place in the United States Olympics when you're on the U. it's called the USA team. There's no place for this. 
shame on the Olympic Committee for saying we're allowing certain uh, protests to go on. Protesting the people that you're there to represent? Then don't don't even bother. Don't be there. That should be a requirement that you stand at attention with respect. You don't want to represent the United States of America, then don't go. You want at, you want to re- oh I'm here uh, my purpose is is to represent uh and she went on to talk about some political people that whatever in the past basically it's critical it, it, this was like her critical race theory lecture moment this is not what this is about we got to put a stop to this crap going on where they're hijacking every element of our society for their narcissistic feelings the world doesn't revolve around you lady or your movement or anything else. And this is why I said when it came to the kneeling that don't tell me that it's not about a flag. And this is why I was so angry, too. I got to say this and I got to wrap to go to Michael Knowles. I was so angry at Drew Brees in New Orleans for backing off because they this whole thing started intentionally choosing the moment at a, at a professional sports a, a game in which we were all supposed to be united. If you can't unite behind the country that you were there to represent then you don't have any business being there. And everybody needs to be putting some pressure on the Olympic Committee and on any of the sponsors that they either dump this bronze, you know, um, jack wagon or they'll be dumped. Stay tuned. We got Michael Knowles coming up. Rant over. Be sure to follow Andrea Kay on Twitter at Andrea Kay Show. And follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea Kay. Spelled K-A-Y-E. A-K, Dynamite and Address, or just Andrea Kay. Whatever you call her, don't call her fake news. It's the Andrea Kay Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea Kay Show, 888-344-1170 at the open of the show. I told you guys that Michael Knowles was going to be here and he had a very interesting take on the issue surrounding free speech. And I said that uh, when I first heard it, when I saw him in an interview a few days ago, I thought it got my attention. And I thought this is almost kind of controversial. And it got my back up a little bit. And I thought, but you know what? Before we dismiss an idea, we got to we got to we got to be willing to discuss it and get inside of it and, and think it out as conservatives. Because let me tell you, we have lost the culture war. No doubt about it. And he's got a book out right now. That explains that the culture war is over and it's lost and that those of us that are kind of free speech absolutist have actually aided and abetted in that. And the book is called Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds. And of course, you guys know who Michael Knowles is, right? He's got a daily podcast at the Daily Wire and he's just a super important conservative political commentator. And he joins me now. Hello, Michael Knowles. Welcome to the Andrea K. Show. Andrea, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be with you. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, I saw, um, I think it was you did an interview with, I think it was Jenna Ellis. And I had it on in the background because um, I watched my girl, Dr. Gina's Real America's Voice every day. And I thought, did he just say that, that we, free speech absolutists, are part of the problem here? <laughs> what, did he really say that? Let me, let me make sure I understand. But before we get into that, you actually have another point that I wanted to, that I think kind of lays the groundwork for that. And it has to do with conservatives not even really understanding exactly what political correctness is. And if you don't understand a problem, you can't fix it, right? What is it? So political correctness, I think a great many people believe, is a battle between free speech and, on the one hand, and censorship on the other. But I actually don't think it's that. Uh, I think that all sorts of regimes protect certain speech and they limit some other speech. 
and really what political correctness is. And I, I trace the history of it going back, not just 30 or 40 years, but going back about 100 years, is a, a, an attempt to destroy the traditional standards of society. Goes back all the way to Karl Marx's call for radicals to engage in a ruthless criticism of all that exists. You know, Marx gets blamed for a lot of things, but he's responsible for a lot of bad things. So, so his intellectual heirs applied this to cultural matters, and then this really hit the mainstream in the 60s and the 70s, and then PC, as we know it today, entered the public consciousness in the 1980s. So I trace that history, but moreover, I will tell you, I, I understand the book is controversial, and a lot of conservatives have, have some issues with it, because I am really calling for a, a totally new approach, mm-hmm. uh, at least within the last 30 years, to uh, free speech and political correctness. But I'll tell you, I, I can empathize, because I myself, before writing the book, probably would have called myself a, a free speech absolutist or something like that. And it was actually the process of writing the book that made me change my views on this. Because as I was researching it, one, I think uh, political correctness revealed itself to be quite different than I'd previously thought that it was. Uh, but two, it occurred to me that actually for all of the American history, there have been huge swaths of speech that have been off limits. And uh, this was accepted and actually embraced by most conservatives until very, very recently, even William F. Buckley Jr., about as mainstream a conservative as ever there was, uh, launched the conservative movement in mm-hmm. the early 1950s with a book called God and Man at Yale. And the subtitle was The Superstitions of Academic Freedom. He called academic freedom a hoax. He said it was a farce. It was just basically a, a lie pushed by the left to destroy traditional standards. And, and even about a dozen years later, he was a defending aspect of Joe McCarthy, of all, of all people, and he said, you know, society can be open-minded to a great many things, but by definition, it's got to be closed to certain things. The society has to agree upon certain things. And uh, so he, he pointed out that Nazis, for instance, would fall into that camp, mm-hmm. or communists, he hoped, would fall into that camp. And <laughs> I think my, my conclusion of it is that cancel culture is new in who gets canceled. But, for instance, in the 1950s, if you were a communist, you could be canceled. And today, if you're an anti-communist, you could be canceled. And so the fact of being canceled has not changed. The only thing that's really changed is the standard. You know, which group gets canceled, which ideas are on limits and which ideas are off limits. Well, I think that it's interesting because um, one of the reasons why I consider myself a free speech absolutist is because um, I have seen for a while that the game plan, the long term plan was to criminalize speech. And and I feel as though if we're going to take the tact of, well, let's just flip it. Now it's our turn to flip it back and cancel other people. Then we're enabling the concept that some that some speech can actually now be criminalized and you could be thrown in jail if you say, for example, that uh, traditional marriage um, is, is what we should have in this country and you don't believe in same sex marriage. And so where is you know, where is the intersection or where is the break even point to where, you know, you're arguing for that there should be standards of speech. But doesn't that, you know, uh, enable the concept to take it to the next? Doesn't that enable the left who wants to take it to the next step of criminalizing speech? Well, I I think this is a very legitimate fear. The only problem, of course, is that the left is already doing this. 
for uttering that very opinion, you could very easily lose your job. You could be punished in schools. You won't yet face criminal penalties, but it is coming if they have their way. And you already see that throughout other parts of the Anglosphere. I, I think what began to tip me over on this question is I recognized that we already do support all, a lot of speech being criminalized. We support uh, fraud, for instance, being criminalized. Nobody believes that the First Amendment protects fraud. And, and of course, if it did, then free speech in America wouldn't have any meaning because, because no one could rely on, on speech. Uh, nobody believes, I think, that uh, uh, sedition or direct threats are protected speech. And uh, nobody, at least until very recently, believed that obscenity was protected speech. And uh, we actually jailed in this country a pornographer about a dozen years ago under a Republican administration merely for a and uh, the founding fathers wrote about this to, to a great extent. You know, they, they said that liberty should not be abused to licentiousness. Mm-hmm. They, they saw these two things as, as opposites. And we now, I think, very often conflate them. But the distinction I see is that, uh, you know, in the kind of modern liberal conception of liberty, which I think is really licentiousness, uh, the heroin addict is the most free man in the world. You know, as long as he can shoot up, he's following his appetites and he's free. Mm-hmm. But of course, you and I know he's not free. The man's a slave. Right. And real true freedom means cultivating the virtues and tamping down those vices. So in answer, it's a long answer to your question, but the question always becomes who, who decides? Who decides what the standards are and what the taboos are and what, what sort of speech is permitted? And my answer to that is someone is going to decide. I don't think there's any neutral playing ground. I don't think the founding fathers thought that. I don't think conservatives thought it until very recently. And so I believe that through our faculties of reason and our moral conscience, we actually can kind of know about what is true and what is false and what is good and what is, what is not good. And we, we can craft laws according to that. And I know that some people fear that, for, uh, for instance, David French, the, the writer from formerly at National Review, mm-hmm. now at the Dispatch, he, he says that we, we really shouldn't ban Drag Queen Story Hour, that Drag Queen Story Hour is one of the blessings of liberty. And But he, he basically is saying that if we tell perverts that they can't twerk for toddlers at the local school or library, why then the left might tell us we can't go to church on Sunday. And my answer to that is, first of all, they're already doing that, and they did it for the past year because right. of the True. COVID lockdown. But, but second of all, if we really believe that we, we as the American people can't distinguish between twerking for little kids and going to church, then that's fine. I mean, we, but, but we're then accepting a view that we really can't govern ourselves because self-government requires the, the, the ability to discern between good and bad and true and false. And this is what John Adams especially talks about at length when he says that the, the Constitution is built for a moral and religious people. So I think we are still capable of that. I think people do still have common sense. I know the left will abuse it. But my, I'm not worried about the hypothetical because I, I think they're already doing it today. Well, I think you make some really good points. In fact, I was thinking about, you know, the drag queen story hour versus, you know, church is that, you know, basically it's almost as though we're saying in a sense that they're both equal. Right. I mean, they're, you know, we're we're almost feeding. Not, we're not saying it's we're almost feeding the notion that there's no good or bad, that everything's equal. And, you know, that that's not the case. And in fact, that's kind of the problem where we're at right now. Right. Um, where we've got the Supreme Court today that refused to hear a case uh, because the lower courts 
you know, uh, affirmed that, you know, some transgender kid, you know, gets to now, you know, uh, you know, hold hostage entire school. And now it's across the country. Um, And, you know, under the guise of, well, we can't treat trans kids. They have to be treated equally. Well, no, that trans kid's not being treated equally. That trans kid's being given superior treatment. He's being accommodated. Of course. And and actually, even further than that, in in a great way, the the trans kid is being disrespected because people are indulging the fantasy Mm -hmm. that the little boy is a little girl. And I I actually don't think that's very conducive to his flourishing. And and so you've hit the nail on the head. The the problem here, I thought we had originalists on the court. I thought we had conservatives on the court. Mm -hmm. And yet time and time again, they allow this to happen. So when, when people say, well, you know, if, uh, if if we don't allow men into the women's bathroom because of this notion of individual liberty, why, you know, if we don't if we don't believe that everyone can define his own conception of existence, to quote Justice Anthony Kennedy, who often reads like a romantic poet, why then who's going to govern society? And I, and I think, no, we actually can tell people that men are men and women are women. We actually can tell people that marriage has a meaning and that sexual difference has something to do with it. And I think the majority of people would have gone along with that if only we had had the courage actually to state the truth. And stating the truth means, by the way, excluding other ideas, namely false ideas like the redefinition of marriage or the transgender ideology. But I do think that the majority of people very likely would have gone along with it. And that's what they expect. They expect courage from their conservative leaders. Uh, Courage is a virtue, and it's actually the prerequisite for all of the other virtues. Mm -hmm. And so largely in in my book, Speechless, what I've tried to do is analyze how the left has so perverted our culture by by redefining words in order to redefine reality. Mm -hmm. And I I do want to learn from them. I actually think their substance is totally bonkers, but but as a matter of tactics, they're, Mm -hmm. they're really quite savvy. And so I would like for us to apply that in a just and right way, because I think there's a lot to learn. Well, I'm and I'm out of time, so I'm hoping that when I read the book, that you, you I believe it includes examples on and tactics and strategies on how we can fight it. So you've, you're, you're, you 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 okay? Good, because I, I I I opened the show with that that I hadn't had a chance to read it yet. That my understanding was is it was about the history of speech and going back to Mao and and all of that. But then you also had real world practical ideas for how we can how we can a- a- absolutely fight this and we. And nobody's really come up with any answers so far. So I'm like, okay, he's got he's got maybe an out there kind of take, you know. Um, but you know, I, I'm open and I want to hear about it because nobody so far has any solution. We got a, we got a governor recall going on here, and one of our top Republicans who used to run the state did it. Well, here's what should happen going forward, and did not even mention anything related to the culture in his what wow. what should happen. Yeah, can you imagine? So you know, we have to as conservatives, somebody's got to come up with an idea of that involves actual tactics of what we can do because our we've already lost the culture war now we got to win it back and so i thank you so much anything you want to share before you tell everybody how to get the book yes no i think you're you're totally right and i really appreciate that taken and my point for people who are, are a little reticent to embrace my view which is which is different than they may have heard is just look around whatever we're doing right now ain't working so <laughs> if people would like to, to think of an alternative option uh, the book is Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds. And I really, really appreciate your having me on to talk about it. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you writing the book. I can't wait to read it. I'm going to be on a flight this weekend, and I'm going to I'm be all through it. So, Michael Knowles, thank you so much. God bless. Thank you. You too. All right. Now, stay tuned because we got my buddy Larry Clayman from Freedom Watch coming right up. Don't go away. 
want more Andrea K? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea K Show. And like her Facebook fan page at Andrea K. Spelled K-A-Y-E. Andrea K, bringing the world a much-needed reality check. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K Show, 888-344-1170. What did you guys think about Michael Knowles? His take that being being such um free speech absolutist kind of takes everything off the table and puts us in a position to where basically I think what he's saying is there's no right or wrong. And we basically are abdicating our entire culture by taking that position. There's always been standards that we had for society involving speech. And when we abdicate that under the free speech, we've, that's basically why we've lost our culture. And, uh, in, before I go to Larry Clayman, uh, I know you were shaking your head. Any thoughts on that, Skins? I still pretty much am blanket freedom of speech. I'll have to read the book and digest it, but. Not quite sure I agree with it just yet. Yeah. Well, I wonder if my buddy Larry Flamin, uh, Flamin, Clayman from <laughs> from Freedom Watch, it's been a long day, uh, would agree with that or not. He joins me now. Hi, Larry Clayman. Thank you for being here. Hello. I'm here. Oh, there you are. Okay. Um, okay. So I initially invited you on to talk about Bill Bard, and we'll get to that in a moment. But I didn't know, and you didn't get to hear the interview with with Michael Knowles, but he's written a book from Daily Wire. Um, he's got a very successful podcast, and he feels like part of the issue that we've had with this culture war is that um, that we, we've lost is that we're being too much free speech absolutist instead of holding to standards. You know, we, you know, the back in the McCarthy days, you know, we ratted people out and canceled them for being communist. You know, we had we had words that were off the table in society. And now we've taken this. There is no right and wrong through free speech. Absolutism. Absolutism. We've basically have taken the tack that there's no right or wrong anymore in our culture. And that's that's uh, kind of the old. If you don't stand up for something, you fall for anything routine. Your thoughts on that philosophy? No, absolutely. You're right. I mean, that's the degradation of ethics and morality in this country. There's no right answer. And of course, you know, in Oregon and California, they're teaching that two and two doesn't equal four anymore either because certain minorities can't count. Apparently, you know, that's, that's racist. If, if you actually come up with four and, you know, it's not most people in those minorities, but some, so I'm, I'm being a little facetious, but uh, yeah, I agree with that. And, and it was, it was John Adams who said, that without ethics, morality, and religion, doesn't matter how many times you change your rulers or forms of government, you will not have a lasting liberty. And and that's exactly what we're going through today. There's no right or wrong. It's whatever people want to spin. Well, I, and I and I'm thinking that that absolutely relates to Bill Barr and what's gone on with him. You know, the, the the fact that on December 1st, according to the Atlantic article today, on December 1st, he declared that it was, quote, BS, that Trump was questioning anything. Well, first of all, he didn't look at one piece of evidence. He didn't interview one witness. But here's what we do know as of December 1st, Larry Clayman. We knew that every contested state. And everybody had known for months violated the Constitution and allowing non-state legislatures to change election laws, which paid which paved the way for the election to be stolen. And Bill Barr did nothing right now. We know Merrick Garland, attorney general under uh, Joe Biden, filed a lawsuit against Georgia, who actually followed the law recently, the Constitution, and through state legislatures, changed the election law. It's fully constitutional. Maybe if Bill Barr had attended law the day they taught law school, he might have done the same thing last year and filing lawsuits against the states that violated the Constitution. 
Your thoughts? That's right. He, what did he do? He didn't do anything. He let Comey go. He let McCabe go. He let Clapper and Brennan go. He let Biden, his bribery scheme with Hunter and the rest. We have to do it with our citizens' grand juries at Freedom Watch. You got to understand who Bill Barr is. We've known this. And I objected to him from the beginning. I did, too. He's a Bush establishment Republican. He's part of the club. You know, he wants to be accepted in Washington, D.C. And frankly, he's lazy. And, you know, I'll give you another story about him. Is that, you know, Cliven Bundy and his sons, my clients from Nevada, who had that successful stand down Mm -hmm. with the government, you know, were indicted. 18 of, you know, these defendants, including Cliven, put in prison for two years, not let out. Ultimately, we got the indictment dismissed because we caught the FBI lying and another a lot of other misconduct. He then allows the U.S. attorney in Nevada to take an appeal of that. After all of that, this is a Trump attorney general. I write to him. He never responds. This guy is an establishment Republican hack. He was more concerned with protecting his own flanks than his own president. An absolute disgrace. Yeah. An absolute disgrace. He violated his oath of office. Absolutely. I said at the jump that he was the OG of the swamp. You know, why why in the world? Who talked Trump into hiring? It was He should have fired Sessions day one when Sessions recused himself. And then he should have gone to outside D.C. to bring in somebody, some maybe some some hot shot at a U.S. attorney's office somewhere that, you know, has been taken down people within the establishment. But no, he goes to some OG swamp dweller, uh, you know, an OG is an, uh, the original gangsta from the old yeah. days who, you know, who had been AG under 41, whose whose wife went to weekly meetings with Bob Mueller. I mean, it was clear from I mean, Trump's biggest mistake was that he allowed himself to be he hired bad people. He hired the wrong people, got convinced to hire the wrong people and they didn't fire anybody. And so, meanwhile, what what it looked to me that Bill Barr's entire term was to do basically what Comey and all of them did in the summer of 2016, which was cover up the crimes. They they worked to operate to cover up the crimes of Hillary Clinton in order to pave the way for her to be elected and then to pave the way for uh, coup attempts against a free and fairly elected President Trump. And so that's exactly what Barr did. And that's why you're right that he he did more than just um, look the other way with Hunter Biden, though, he actually overlooked and covered up the crimes that were committed by Clapper and Comey and Strzok and Page and the rest. And then he got on the phone at one point and called attorney, uh, either states, AGs or U.S. prosecutors and told them to stand down from the Hunter Biden investigation. That is not doing the same thing that Comey did and in, in trying to affect the outcome of an election in 2016. This man, quite frankly, should be behind bars. And it's an absolute outrage. And and oh, no, by the way, one one more thought in, in terms of sitting back and watching a coup attempt when it was when we found out that there was a spy that had been planted in the White House Colonel Chow thief who then fed crappy information to some deep state weasel then they did all the shenanigans in order to get an impeachment trial done if if AG Barr was half what he pretended to be Hunter Biden would have been hauled in then and everything related right. to what went on with Ukraine would have been brought out at the impeachment hearing, and it wasn't. Well, rhetorically, Andrew, why do you think this is so? I know you know why, because we've talked about it, and you think like I do. But the deep state in Washington, the intelligence community, has dirt on everybody. This mass NSA surveillance, I got two preliminary injunctions against them, but they continue to mass surveil the American people. They've got dirt on Barr. They've got dirt 
on Chief Justice John Roberts. They've got dirt on everybody. That's why nothing ever gets done. And they all protect each other's flanks in the long run. And they're making money hand over fist. And Barr wants to be accepted back into the Washington, D.C. swamp legal community mm-hmm. where he can make millions of dollars at big law firms. That's It's, it's the same thing. Look, you got Trey Gowdy on Fox News. What did he <laughs> do? He took a dive on Benghazi. Right. Yeah. Now he's a hot shot on Fox News, working for a law firm, raking in money hand over fist. Jason Chaffetz, same thing. Yeah. What did he do? You know, the Republican Party is worthless. It's dead. It's over. These are Republican establishment Bush hacks that Trump, unfortunately, listened to. And that's why we have all the terrible judges we have now, too. And in my book, It Takes a Revolution, I get to 10 of them I'm in front of. They're dishonest. They had no courage. And they threw even President Trump under the bus. They wouldn't even give him a hearing. Well, today they wouldn't. Allegations of election fraud. Well, right. And and then today they wouldn't even hear a case that has to do with transgenders in, in schools in the bathrooms as though, oh, it was already settled with the lower court. Well, first of all, it ended up being thrown out at a lower court. Then he refiled. But the bottom line is it, you're, if you're not going to hear that, if you're not going to hear that case. That goes to the heart of our Constitution and our liberties. No, what they're allowing is, and Alito and Thomas were the only two that wanted to hear this case because they understand what's at stake with this cultural Marxist movement. The rest of them don't care. And I am sick and tired of hearing anybody talk about how we have a conservative majority on the Supreme Court. We do not. We do not. It's worthless. You know, like I said, who cares if they pack it? It's worthless now. Right. It doesn't make any difference. It makes no difference. And that's why we have... Our convention, it yes. takes, you know, it's sort of Continental Congress that you're coming to. I'm proud to have you there because we need to talk about whether we need to declare independence or not. And we need to set forth the grounds for that, you know, like in a declaration of independence, when there's a long history of usurpations and abuses, the people have a right to alter or abolish the government. Unfortunately, we've tried to reason with these people. You can't reason with them. And now they've got the other clown. Uh, Christopher Ray, he put in Trump, you know, establishment Republican friend of Barr who's out there using the FBI like a Gestapo to run everybody down who was in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. And judges rubber stamping what they're doing, saying we're leaving these people in prison after they get arrested and indicted because Trump is still propagating the big lie and Trump's going to incite them to more violence. That's not a reason to put people in the slammer and some of them and put in solitary confinement. Well, yeah. We live in a leftist dictatorship right now. Well, yeah, a even worse than that. Bill Barr could have used RICO statutes. He could have done investigations all across this country to find out who was funding all of this Black Lives Matter and Antifa terrorism that was going around across our country. All the pallets of bricks and all the the hotel rooms that were purchased. Remember when Rand Paul and his wife was attacked outside the White House the night that cops, uh, Capitol Police, scores of them were attacked as, as people breached the wall last summer? It was, uh, it was the night before Trump did the walk to the church. How many of those people in that hotel staying staying uh, the, the hotel was filled with them black lives matter and antifa people bill barr didn't give a crap as to who was behind that terrorism we still have parts of this country that are like chaz these autonomous zones set up where they there's real insurrection that's gone on real takeovers of our government in this country and bill barr sat back and did absolutely nothing and we as citizens have to be willing to do something we better we better get engaged and begin to do something. And that doesn't mean that Larry and I are advocating for violence. Tell everybody one more time about the Convention of State. We're saying peaceful and legal. We want to get the discussion going. I I would like people to go to freedomwatchusa.org. Sign up for our Third Continental Congress in Philadelphia. If you're a student and a veteran, you get in free. Otherwise, we ask for a contribution to pay for it and the other things we do, like citizens' grand juries. But 
we are in a worse situation, Andrew. We've said this many times than we were on July 4th, 1776. Mm-hmm. King George III was not a socialist. He was not a communist. He was not an atheist. He was not a radical Muslim. He was not a member of the Marxian Jewish left, and I'm Jewish myself, so you can't call me anti-Semitic. He was not a radical gay, lesbian, or transgender. He was not a radical atheist. And most people in these groups are decent people. But the radicals have taken over. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we are living right now in a situation much worse than our founding fathers and colonialists lived in. And if you don't wake up and realize that, your kids and grandkids are going to be living in a communist hellhole. Yeah, we already are 90% there. And you're not being hyperbolic uh, to say that. That's absolutely where we're headed. So I'm looking forward to being there. I'm going to be there uh, at Independence Hall next uh, Monday and Tuesday, the 5th and the 6th of July. So um, stay tuned for more details throughout the week and come join us if you're anywhere in the Philly area and go online and get uh, the details on that. Larry Clayman, thank you for being here. Thank you, Soul Sister. All right. See you then. Okay. Okay. Thank you. All right. Now, y'all stay tuned. We got more on the other side of the break. Don't go away. Be sure to follow Andrea Kay on Twitter at Andrea Kay Show. And follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea Kay. Spelled K-A-Y-E. News, politics, and current events. It's the Andrea Kay Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. Speaking of speech, Skins, any uh, any additional thoughts at all on anything related to... Uh, no, I said pretty much everything I have to say. I have to digest the information. I'm still pretty much an absolutist about free speech. All right. I hear you. Uh, I hear you because, you know, it, it's tough to want to go, okay, to trying to trust that if we ban something that, you know, it's not going to... Because one of the reasons why I think... That there's so much concern and so much fear with taking the approach of, okay, when Republicans get in, in power, um, that, you know, we won't have it used against us is, um, will you look at the fact that we don't have any courts really? Our, our courts have been so corrupted. Our entire justice system, even when you think that you've got conservatives on the bench, they're not. They cave, right? Now, if, if this ends up being a solid idea, and we, you know, we and we can see some sol- sol- solutions, uh, th- then you know, perhaps. But as of right now. I mean, we're having enough of our speech censored as is. It should be it should be pretty straightforward that we should be able to ban drag queen story hour with children. Right. Because that, that is, you know, drag queen shows are sex shows. They are adult. That is adult entertainment. You know, you wouldn't you shouldn't sit your kid so down much at the expense of kids. Well, right. And so um, that should be clear that that should be banned. It should be clear that that uh, teaching the curriculum that's going on in schools with transgenderism and sex ed stuff is porn pornography should be banned but you know we actually have instances bob gave a story on friday in which what a teacher was teaching was literally simulating sex in classrooms with children that's a crime and you know what he's not punished our courts are so corrupted that I think before we we try to do try to take the standpoint of um, you know elected officials trying to um, ban certain elements of speech, I think we got. I think we maybe the first step is to route out what's going on with with our courts. Um, you've got the Southern District of New York where this woman ran to be um, uh, her whole, her whole platform was I'm going to take down Trump. It was it's not about anymore. It is no longer about them thinking that, you know, in, uh, investigating a crime that they think uh, has, you know, they have probable cause to investigate. This is about we hate you 
because of your politics and we are going to persecute you and prosecute you and we are going to dig until we find a way to do that. We have right now, Chauvin wasn't that trial for Chauvin what they wanted out of that wasn't about Chauvin. That was about using the courts to punish America and set the stage for further persecutions and prosecutions of Americans to right wrongs. When we have our courts being used as a form of reparations, being used as, as in a no-co North Korea, communist China, communist Cuba fashion against its citizens, I'm a little concerned about getting on board with legislation banning any kind of speech. I am too, because at the end of the day, as we were just talking about with Larry, how many times has the, the the law of the land, the Supreme Court, passed on issues they should not have passed on. They don't even want to hear the cases anymore. Right. So, I mean, Larry agrees with the theory of moral decay and that we once had standards that we upheld. Sure. Um, it's against the law. I could not say, I could not drop the F-bomb right now in this broadcast. Right? 100%. That is that is censorship that's going on. We had standards in this country. So but we but we need to be having these conversations because we got to do something right now. The FAA, Federal Aviation Administration, um, urges a move to gender neutral terms. <laughs> no more airman or cockpit. <laughs> You know, it's funny, but it's not at the end of the day. I'm I'm embarrassed because if you're hearing these long-term aviation terms and you're offended, you're the perv, man. You're the one with the problem, right? Stop trying to sexualize everything. Stop trying to find something wrong with everything. Where there's nothing wrong. But see, but so what I think what, but going back to Knowles's argument, I think what he's saying is, look, uh, you know, they're, they're, they are in complete control. I think what he's saying is this. There has never been a United States of America that did not have control over speech, particularly when it comes to the form of what is what is considered appropriate culturally. And we've, and under the guise of being free speech absolutist, we have given that up. We're no longer arguing for what is acceptable or not. For example, it's okay now for the left all day long to call me the C word on Twitter. But you better not use the wrong pronoun somewhere on the job or they're going to expect you to be canceled. Exactly. So, I, you know, I'm going back and forth as I'm thinking about the strategy here. Anyway, it's a novel this. idea. And that's, you know, to think about this further is definitely a step in the right direction because something has to be done, Andrew. We've got to be thinking about it and discussing it. And we're going to keep discussing it along with other hot topics of the day. We'll be back tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Keep the conversation rolling. Follow me on Twitter and everywhere at Andrea K Show. And uh, we love you. Peace out. Thanks to my guest, Michael Knowles. Thanks to Larry Clayman. And thanks to the listeners. And thank you, Skins. See you tomorrow.